0: Good morning. My name is Diane Johnson. The scripture passage today comes from the New Testament book of Hebrews. I will be reading from chapter 8 verses 6 to 13. Hear the word of the Lord. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. When God speaks of a new covenant it means he has made the first one obsolete It is now out of date and will soon disappear This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God
1: Thanks, D Well, we are in the middle of a series on the book of Hebrews. And uh, my goal in this series has been to try to give you all some keys that can unlock this book when you read it on your own. And I'd encourage you to be doing that. Some of you have already told me that you've been reading it on your own, which makes me really happy and really proud. Um, So be reading this on your own, but I hope that we can give you some keys that you can unlock the book when you read it on your own, because it can be kind of difficult just to pick up and read. And today I begin the process of handing over a pretty large key that I want to give to you. And so I wondered when this would happen, but this week has been broken up into two parts. Rather than trying to tackle it all in one sermon, you'll thank me um, that we broke it up into two parts. But this key is a pretty large key, so we're breaking this sermon up into two weeks. And I'll begin handing handing that over to you today. A couple of weeks ago, Morgan and I received something in the mail that is a blast from the past and just kind of reminds me of how different of a world we live in now than the world that Morgan and I grew up in. And I can't believe that they make these anymore. We received in the mail the yellow pages. I can't even believe that they circulate this anymore. So for all of our children and middle schoolers and high schoolers that are in this room, let me talk to you for a second, uh, kids, middle, and high schoolers, um, There was this thing growing up called a phone book. (laughs) And if you wanted to call your friend, you had to look their number up in the phone book. So my best middle school friend was Chad Wensink was his name. So what I would do is if I wanted to know Chad's number, I would go and I'd get the phone book. You would receive this in the mail. And I'd find the W section because his last name was Wensink. So I'd find W and then his parents' names were Mike and Lori, so I'd find Mike and Lori, and then I'd find Wensink Mike and Lori, and then I'd follow the little arrow, the the, the dots over, and it said five six four three zero four six. So then I would go over to the wall, <laughs> and I'd grab a phone off the wall, and I'd type in five six four three zero four six, and then his parents would answer, and I'd say, "Hello, is Chad there?" And then you'd hear Chad it's for you, on the other line, and then we would ta- and then we would talk, okay. So part of that thing called a phone book was this, the yellow pages. They were in the back of the phone book. Now, before I go any further, I was working at Mead Library in Sheboygan a couple weeks back. I was studying there. And, um, I looked up because I was thinking about, I think I was writing my sermon and I thought about my sermon and I looked up and I couldn't believe what was on the shelves. There were all the Sheboygan County phone books. And I'm like, this is a moment from the Lord. So I went over. And I tried to find the oldest one that I could remember. And sure enough, here on the shelves was the 1991 Gold Star uh, Sheboygan County phone book. And I remember this Gold Star. And I remember looking in this book for numbers. And so I paged through and I looked for the... V section and you got to go. And also it wasn't all just alphabetical. You had to find like the town of what you want to call too. So I had to find an Usburg town and the V section of the Oosberg town. And sure enough, there it was Verveldi, William and Julie, 722 South 10th street. So that was the home I grew up in. And I blurred out the number because they still have their home phone number, <laughs> but that was my address growing up. And there it was in the phone book. And so the phone book had this section called the yellow pages. Okay. So the yellow pages where it were, if This is where you would look if you wanted to look up a business. Okay. So like Morgan and I just got a new furnace. And if we had been resigned to look in the yellow pages, what you would do is you would think, okay, I need a, I need, I need an HVAC business. So you'd look in the H section and you'd find HVAC and then it would list all of the HVAC businesses in your area. Or like if you wanted cable television, all right, you'd look at T for TV and then you'd find like satellite providers and you'd find cable TV providers and you would find actually TV repairmen, which those don't even exist anymore. All right. But you would look for a business in the yellow pages and I cannot believe that they still produce the yellow pages because there's something way better than this nowadays, right? Who uses these anymore? Seriously, who uses them? Why would you advertise in them? And look how thin this is, right? There's something way, way better than the yellow pages. And now we have the internet, which is way better than the yellow pages. Because I just went on on my search engine and I typed in HVAC near 53070, which is Oosberg zip code. And there is a list of all of the HVAC providers in our area. And Advanced Comfort is the one that put our furnace in. It gives you ratings of the business. It gives you address of the business. It gives you a map of where the businesses are in the town. It gives you directions to the business. It gives you the phone number of the business, all right on one page with a simple search of, of, of a search engine, right? And if I did the search on my phone, I could just tap the phone number and my phone would begin calling that number as opposed to having to look in a section and then decide and then typing in a number on a wall phone right we have something way way better than the yellow pages we have the internet why am i talking about the yellow pages because the bible tells us and specifically our scripture reading from hebrews tells us that we have something way way better there was this thing called the old covenant which is like the yellow pages And now we have this thing that's way, way better. It's the new covenant, which is like the internet. Because the internet is way, way better than the yellow pages. Nobody uses the yellow pages anymore. The internet has totally replaced the yellow pages as the place to go. I don't even know how the yellow pages is still in business. All right. Hebrews talks about how there was this thing called the old covenant, but now we got something way, way better called the new covenant. And the new covenant replaces the old covenant we don't need that old covenant anymore we don't need those yellow pages anymore because now we have something way way better which is the new covenant which replaces the old covenant we got the internet we don't need the yellow pages now already i'm throwing out words like covenant and you've heard these words like covenant already today and and you know it's just like sometimes you just want to throw your hands up in the air and be like enough bible jargon right I think one of the difficulties of the book of Hebrews is that it's just jam-packed full of these Bible jargony, lofty, theological big words. And it's like, what are you even talking about? You just want to like, blah! I don't even want to, I want to give up because I don't even understand what they're saying when they're throwing words like, around like covenant and Melchizedek and priesthood and sacrifice. It's just total Bible jargon, right? And so my tagline for this sermon series is this. I say, I begin by saying, trigger warning, Bible jargon ahead. Because the book is so full of Bible jargon. Sometimes when we read the book of Hebrews and we come across words like covenant, it can be like trying to listen to this guy from Rockwell Automation. So Greg, I'm so glad you're here. So I found this this video and um, I'll give you the context ahead of time because I showed it to Morgan and she didn't laugh. So I'll give you the context, which will make it funnier, hopefully. Um, But uh, I found this video and it's a spoof video from Rockwell Automation. And this guy in the video is going to introduce a fictitious piece of machinery called the Retro Encabulator. And he's gonna explain about the Retro Encabulator. And what's so funny about this video is it just makes fun of engineer technical jargon, all right? So go ahead and roll that video, you guys.
2: Here at Rockwell Automation's World Headquarters, research has been proceeding to develop a line of automation products that establishes new standards for quality, technological leadership, and operating excellence. With customer success as our primary focus, work has been proceeding on the crudely conceived idea of an instrument that would not only provide inverse reactive current for use in unilateral phase detractors, (laughs) but would also be capable of automatically synchronizing cardinal gram meters. Such an instrument, comprised of Dodge gears and bearings, Reliance electric motors, Allen Bradley controls, and all monitored by Rockwell Software, is... Rockwell Automation's Retro Encabulator. <laughs> now basically, the only new principle involved is that instead of power being generated by the relative motion of conductors and fluxes, it's produced by the modial interaction of magneto-reluctance and capacitive directance. <laughs>
1: capacitive directance. So it goes on. The video is like two minutes long, and I don't know how this guy keeps a straight face, but he just keeps throwing out all of this jargon and what's really funny is half of the words are made up words it's all it's a lot of it is senseless all right but they're just making fun of engineer uh jargon and technical, technical talk um true story when i found this video i was working at chick-fil-a and i just began laughing uncontrollably so much that i was crying and so i'm like <laughs> and i'm like laughing and here i am in public you know and i'm trying to like be like i'm laughing like you know i'm i'm just just crying laughing at this hilarious video but um, i could not stop laughing about this video and i i bring it up because I say that sometimes reading the book of Hebrews and all of its biblical jargon, all of its biblically words, and all of its lofty theological talk can be like trying to listen to this guy talking about the retro cabulator and phase detractors, right? So we have to tackle this topic of covenant today, even though it's lofty and theological and biblically, we have to tackle it because the Bible is based upon covenant, and covenant is one of the primary ways that God interacts with his people, and the Bible is... Or, covenant is actually one of the linchpins of the Bible. And so I want to flesh out this, this idea of covenant, because if we're going to understand how the old covenant has been replaced by the new covenant, and if we're going to understand how the yellow pages has been replaced by the internet, we have to understand what the covenant is. And I think this will help you not only with reading the book of Hebrews, but also with reading the Bible. So may, pretty much, maybe the easiest way to understand covenant is to think of it like a partnership. A covenant is like a partnership where God is going to partner with humans to try to accomplish some sort of goal. All right? God is partnering with humans to try to accomplish some sort of goal. And what happens in that partnership, as God is partnering with humans toward this goal, is that God is going to make certain promises. And then in turn, humanity has certain commitments that they need to fill. So. God is going to promise something, and then humanity has to respond by fulfilling certain commitments. And this is the partnership that God makes with humanity towards some sort of goal. Now, we just began renting this office space uh, next to the Rivoli Theater in Cedarburg, and we're still working on getting it up and running. But what we've done is, is this is kind of like a partnership or a covenant, because the landlord says to us, the landlord promises us, that we're going to have sole access, uh, sole access to that space that we're renting. The landlord promises us sole access to that space, and he says, you can use it anytime you want. It'll be open to you 24-7. I'm going to give you the keys. You're going to have the keys to unlock that space. You can do whatever you want to in that space. You can have meetings. You can have Bible studies. You can meet. You can do work. You can do whatever you want in that space. It's totally open to you, but just to you. You're, you're getting sole access to that space. That's the promise that the landlord makes to us as we rent this office space. and then the commitment that we have to fill as the renters is that we have a rent that we need to pay each month. And so we've agreed, we're going to pay you this month, this much each month. And then we've agreed up front that we're going to occupy that space for a certain amount of time. So that's the commitment that we as humanity have to fulfill to our landlord as we rent that. So this is just to illustrate this idea of partnership and covenant. I really love that ECO has done away with the language of membership, when it comes to all of us as part of this church. Eco is our denomination. It's called the Covenant Order of Evangelical Presbyterians, which is a mouthful, but I love what Eco is trying to do. And when you're, as an eco-church, we've done away with the the word membership because membership implies serve me. And instead of calling our people members, we call them covenant partners, which again seems really lofty and jargony and theological and, you know, all out there. But I really love that we opt for the language of covenant partners because we're telling all of us that are part of this church that we are partners with God in accomplishing his goal and his mission. We are partnering with each other as the church, and we are partnering with God to accomplish his mission in this world as his church. That's why we call you all covenant partners. And I love that we've gone with covenant partners and not membership because membership says, I pay the church tithes and then the church serves me. Whereas covenant partnership says, we're all in this trying to meet the mission of God in this world together. Covenant partnership says serve God. Membership says serve me. That's why I really love that we talk about us all as covenant partners in ECO. So when we talk about covenant, In the Bible, we're talking about a partnership between humanity and God to try to accomplish some sort of goal. So if we're going to understand how the old covenant has been replaced, we have to understand this old covenant, this old partnership. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to walk us through the old covenant, the old partnership in the Old Testament, so that we can get an idea of what was happening and how humanity was partnering with God to our goal and how that's all been replaced next week, all right? So we start at the beginning when God creates all of the universe and he creates this earth and he creates the globe and on the globe he creates this inhabitable space called the Garden of Eden. And in that Garden of Eden, everything is perfect, everything is wonderful, there's plants, there's animals. And in that Garden of Eden, God creates the first human, which is man, and then he creates the first the first human which is woman and he gives Adam a wife. So there Adam and Eve are the first two humans in the Garden of Eden on the planet of earth at the beginning of creation and everything is awesome and exactly as God intended and perfect and beautiful and wonderful. And then after God creates Adam and Eve, his first two humans, he's going to distinguish them from the rest of creation by giving them a certain status, and along with that status comes a special job that he's giving to his humanity. So the first way that he distinguishes his humanity from the rest of creation in sort of this special way is that he is making them in his image as his imagers. And so as an image of God and as a reflection of God, they have a task of reflecting who God is to the rest of creation. This is what the Bible says. Genesis 127, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so as images of God, humanity has a special task of Imaging or reflecting or showing the rest of the world who God is. The idea is that as an image of God, when humanity is looked at, they see God. That's the idea of being an image. And then God also creates them as sub-rulers. They have this special status as sub-rulers underneath him. This special job that they have to sub-rule under God over creation. This is what God tells them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it, rain over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth, and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. And so what God is doing is he is creating them as sub-rulers, sub-governors underneath him to rule over creation and to use what he has created to continue the creative process. What God is doing is he is saying to his humanity, I have created all of this stuff I've created these plants, I've created these animals, and I've created this reality and this time for you to live in. And now what I want you to do is I want you to take what I've created and continue creating. Use what I've given you to make and to develop. Make culture. Invent stuff. All right. Discover things about the creation that allow you to come up with new ideas. Multiply. Have children. Fill the earth. Rule it. Subdue it. All right. When we were staying at Ronald McDonald House for Colin's birth... Um, there's this room at Ronald McDonald House of Eastern Wisconsin called the art room. Reminds me of your room, Melinda, because it's full of art supplies and the kids can go in there and there's paper and there's markers and there's crayons and there's paints and there's beads and there's yarn and, and, and ribbon and all sorts of other artsy supplies that I can't even name And the kids can go in there, and they just have all of this stuff that's available to them, and they can just let their creative minds run wild and make whatever they want to make. And there's even, uh, when we were there, there was this picture on the wall of a tree, and then you were invited to kind of add your own thing to the drawing. So it's like a community drawing, and the picture on the right there is Bryn adding a reindeer to that tree, or on the ground, but to the tree picture, and, and the kids could just run wild and let their creative minds just flourish and make whatever they wanted to make. And, and what I'm saying is God is throwing open the door to his art room, to humanity. And he's saying, I've given you all this stuff and I've given you all this, this cool place and all these cool, incredible things. And now I want you to use what I've given you and continue creating, continue making. All right. And so God creates Adam and Eve as his sub-rulers and as his images with the task of using what he's created to image forth God's goodness and spread his reign over this earth. But we know that humanity wasn't content with that role, and instead of being content with their role as sub-rulers and as images, they wanted to be the supreme ruler. And so they believe the snakes lie, that they'd become like God if they eat from this tree that God told them not to eat from. And they tried to, they ate from this tree, and in that act of disobedience and in that act of trying to become the supreme ruler, they condemned humanity to death and separated themselves from God and marred God's creation and fractured the relationship with God. And and now creation is under this curse of sin. And thankfully, God's not content to let that continue. He's not pleased with these circumstances. And so he's going to begin to renew the creation and make it new again and restore and repair his relationship with fallen humanity. And one of the ways that he does this renewal and this restoration is in this way we call covenant. Because what God is going to do is he's going to look at all of the pool of humanity that's fallen, and he is going to select specific individuals out of that pool of fallen humanity to partner with toward the goal of renewing his relationship with humanity and renewing the creation. All of humanity is fallen. And what God is going to do is he is going to select certain people out of that fallen pool of humanity to partner with toward the goal of God renewing his relationship with humans and renewing the fallen creation. You following me so far? That's critical. That's why I said it twice. All right, you following me? Good. So the first person that God selects out of the fallen pool of humanity to partner with is a man named Noah. Noah. And at this point, the world has gotten so bad, so depraved, so full of sin, so fallen, it just grieves God's heart so much that he says, I'm going to start over. And he selects this guy, Noah, and he says, Noah, I'm going to flood the whole earth because I want to start over. But Noah, I know that you have faith in me. I know you follow me. I know you believe in me and you know me. And so I want to start over with your family. And so I want you to build this ark that's going to be a boat that protects you when I flood the earth and you'll keep your family safe. And I'm going to start over in this creation project with you. And God floods the whole earth and Noah's family and the animals are preserved on this ark. And then when the flood finally recedes and all of the earth has been wiped out, Noah's family comes out of the ark and they let the animals off the ark. And now it's like a new beginning. And, and God says this to Noah. He says, then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant or my partnership with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. And so he promises Noah, this is my promise to you, that I'm going to use your family and start over again, and I'm never going to start over again again. (laughs) I'm starting over again with you, and I'm never going to start over again. Your family is going to be the family that I use to repopulate the earth. And you're going to be the ones who fill the earth and multiply. They're they're picking up that baton of multiplying and filling the earth that was given to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. So then later on, the next person that we meet that God selects out of that pool of humanity to partner with is a man by the name of Abraham. And God comes to Abraham and he takes him outside one night and he says, Abraham, look at all these stars up there. He says, can you count those stars? And Abraham says, no, that's way too many to count. And God says, that's how many children and grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and descendants, I'm going to give you. As many stars as there are in the sky, that's how many kids you're going to have. Because I'm going to use you to father a nation that's going to have a special spot in my heart. God's telling Abraham, I'm going to give you so many kids that those kids are going to become a nation that has a special relationship with me. And so God multiplies Abraham into this nation. And, and then the book of Exodus opens. We turn to the next book of the Bible and God has multiplied the descendants of Abraham so much that now they are this people group called the Hebrews living in Egypt and Egypt is oppressing them and enslaving them as their slave workers as their slave labor. And so you have these this descendants of Abraham, this family of Abraham, these Hebrews that are stuck in slavery in Egypt, and God is going to raise up this man named Moses amongst them and lead them out of slavery in Egypt. So he raises up this man named Moses and says, you're going to be the guy who leads my people out of slavery. And Moses leads them out of slavery through the Red Sea, the waters of the Red Sea. And God Or The writer of Hebrews is going to reference this moment where Moses leads the people out of captivity in Egypt. The author of Hebrews says this. says, this is my covenant. I will not be like the one made with their ancestors. So he's talking about the old covenant right now. He's talking about the yellow pages. When I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. So the author of Hebrews is referencing this moment when God raises up Moses to lead the Hebrews, to lead his people, his special people, out of slavery in Egypt. And Moses leads those people on a path south to this mountain called Mount Sinai, and the biblical narrative slows way down because we've just had chapters that cover hundreds and thousands of years, and now here we are at Mount Sinai, and now we have a bunch of chapters of the Bible donated to one year, dedicated to one year of Israel's life. And so you have the people of God who are at Mount Sinai, and God is going to make his covenant with these people, with his nation. And it's at Mount Sinai, and in this moment where God is laying out his covenant with his special people, where he's partnering with his special people, that you see this clear aspect of God making promises and then humanity having certain commitments to fulfill. Because the promise that God makes to his people at Mount Sinai is that they would become his imagers. So they're picking up the baton of creation in Genesis 1 because he is telling his people, Israel, you have a special job amongst all of the other people on the earth. And your special job is this. Your special job is that you would be my kingdom representatives, my images, my reflectors of who I am to all the other people groups on this earth. That your job is to represent who I am to all of the other people on this earth, all the other nations, by reflecting who I am. God says it this way. He says, Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure, my special people from among all the peoples on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom priests or my representatives. You will be representatives of my kingdom. You'll be my holy nation The set-apart ones, all right? This is how Adam and Eve were distinguished from the rest of creation, being made in the image of God and being sub-rulers. Holy means to be set-apart. So you're going to be set-apart from everybody else so that you can image who I am to the rest of the world, so that you can show the rest of the world who I am, be my reflectors, be my image-bearers, show the rest of the world who I am. That's the promise that God makes to Israel, that they have a special job of showing the rest of the world who God is. And then in turn, humanity has an obligation that they need to fulfill. And that comes right at the beginning of our scripture that we just read, Exodus 19.5. God says, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant. So God makes this promise. You're going to be my special people, my reflectors, my imagers. You're going to show the rest of the world who I am. But in order to show the rest of the world who I am, I'm going to give you a way that you have to live. And you have to abide by that way of life. Because if you're going to show the rest of the world who I am, then you need to live differently. You need to live in a special way that's better than everybody else. You have to live in a way that's better than the way that everyone else is living. You have to live my way, a different way. And we call this way the law, which is summarized in the Ten Commandments. So God is saying, you will be my special people who reflect who I am to everybody else. But in order to reflect who I am to everybody else, you got to live the way that I want you to live. And follow my law and live differently. And that law is summarized in the Ten Commandments. Now, that law, that way of living that God gave to his people Israel, it is believed by the ancient authors of the Bible that that law was delivered through angels. Here's angels again. All right, throw back to last week. Look at 2 2. JC read this. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm. He's talking about the law, this way of living. The the law was delivered through the angels. It's always stood firm. And here comes the human commitment aspect of it. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. That's that commitment that humanity has to fulfill. So the ancient writers of the Bible believed that the way of living that God gave to his Israelites, the law, was delivered, couriered, if you will, by angels. Because we learned last week that angels are God's servants. They're his errand boys. They're his messenger boys. They're his bellhops. And so one of the messages that the angel curries to Israel is the law, this way of living. Now, Israel's got to live a certain way. Do they do it? Remember, God says, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, that's how you'll be this special reflector of who I am. And do they live it? No. That's the sad story, is they don't live it. They disobey, and our scripture reading talked about this today. They disobey. They didn't follow the law. They, rather than looking like a totally different group of people that has a way better way of living, they ended up looking like everybody else. They ended up living like everybody else and worshiping the gods of everybody else and being just as sinful as everybody else. And they opted for the world's way of living instead of God's way of living. They didn't obey. They didn't live up. And so God finally allows this foreign nation of Babylon to conquer them and export them into exile into this foreign city of babylon he he because they didn't they didn't follow the law they didn't live up to their commitments they didn't live into the better way that god had for them and this is why i've entitled this sermon does anyone use the yellow pages anymore because god laid out this this covenant this partnership and it didn't work and god is trying to replace that old partnership with something way way better The yellow pages are a shell of what they once were. And at this point in the Old Testament, Israel is a shell of what it once was because they're all exiled all across the land. Does anyone use these anymore? Because, I mean, now that we have the internet, did this ever really even work very well? I mean, it was what we had. It's what we abided by, but it never really even worked very well, especially now that we have the internet. And so you kind of have this sad ending to the Old Testament where it's the yellow pages, and you can almost see the where and how old it is. That didn't work out. So what about this new covenant? Next week. That's all next week. So, all right. You got to come back then. But you'll be glad I didn't launch into another half hour right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Let's, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we can have our offering.